1: Visiting a national park, let Chimani guide you. Chumani.com.
2: Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 662. It's Super Bowl Sunday. But here in Massachusetts, Mass Audubon's 15th annual Super Bowl of Birding, in which teams recorded the greatest number of species possible, has already been completed. Teams got points for rare species sightings, and they should maybe also get points for their team names, some of which have a decidedly appropriate football flair, like the grand prize winners, the blue-gray pass catchers, a team from the Granite State known as the New Hampshire 4th and Long Spurs, and the Hail Mary Pass Serenes. Congratulations to all the teams in the Super Bowl of birding. Meanwhile, wherever you are, it's not too late to sign up for the Great Backyard Bird Count, run by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, National Audubon, and Bird Studies Canada. It goes from February 16th through the 19th. Count the birds in your backyard or at your favorite birding spot and contribute to citizen science in the process. Find out more at birdcount.org. And speaking of backyard birds, we know that not only birds and squirrels and raccoons like to visit bird feeders, but cats do too. Not for the seed or suet, of course, but for the birds themselves. John and Kathy Hay up in Billings, Montana, have a deceptively simple idea that they say is pretty effective at keeping cats away from your feeders. It's this, if you can rustle up some pine cones, spread a bunch of them under the feeders, because cats, we're told, really hate Walking on pine cones. Sounds like it will be worth a try. Just be sure to wear some good shoes when you walk on those pine cones. Can be a little painful there.
3: Extra extra. Read all about it.
2: By the way, we have a new name for our show on Facebook. We're now calling it the Talking Birds Radio Show. Kind of better describe what we do. Talking Birds Radio Show there on Facebook. Meanwhile, some of the stories and videos we have for you on our page this week. Watch a video of a common eider being released back into the wild on Cape Cod. It's pretty cool to see. Northern saw owls are among the tiniest raptors in the U.S. and they're widespread across the northern tier of states. People love to see them and we have a link for you to National Audubon's Five tips on how to find them. And can conservation lead to peace? We'll link you to a story that offers some hope about that big idea. That's some of what we have for you on our Facebook page right now. Not a Facebooker, that's okay. You can find those stories as well through an online search. That would be the sound of our mystery bird. Here's a preview of our upcoming mystery bird contest, upcoming in a little bit here on this morning's show. We have a droll Yankees observer window feeder as our prize bonus prizes, Audubon Park, wild bird food, and a download of the Larkwire app, the award winning app for mastering bird sounds. Our mystery bird is a large, slender diver with a long, thin orange bill and white wing patches that are visible in flight. It's found over most of North America, summering in Canada and Alaska, and found year-round in many of our northern states. The bird prefers freshwater habitats, but also seen in ocean harbors and bays. Our mystery bird, male, has bright white sides and an iridescent green head, the female mostly gray with a reddish-brown head that often shows a shaggy crest, a crest not really seen in the male. ...because of the serrated edges on their bills... ...which helps them grip the large fish that they catch. Our bird and its relatives uh, are known as sawbills. A little preview of our mystery bird contest... ...coming along just a little bit later in the show this morning. And now we're happy to welcome back to Talkin' Birds this morning... ...our own Charlotte Wesselick. Checking in from the farm up in Vermilion, Alberta, Canada... ...with her recent bird sightings and news of birding events and happenings here in the U.S. connected with Georgia and Maine and New York and our home state of Massachusetts in a brand new installment of Charlotte's weblog. Alberta Abound, Alberta It's good to be Alberta Abound Good morning, Charlotte.
3: Good morning, Ray. My 2018 species list is short, but includes some good birds such as northern shrike, snowy owl, great horned owl, and bohemian waxwings. Mass Audubon is hosting a family snowshoe hike on February 18th. Enjoy nature in the winter on guided walks through the trails and all levels of experience are welcome and this program is especially geared for families with children ages 7 and up. This hike has a minimal registration fee and registration is required, so visit the Mass Audubon Facebook page to sign up. The Georgia Ornithological Society is now accepting applications for their 2018 Park Scholarship for Young Birders to attend the Hog Island Audubon Camp in Maine this summer. The scholarship is open to young birders between the ages of 15 and 17 and the application deadline is February 19th. Visit www.gos.org slash island 2018 to apply. The Cornell Lab of Ornithology is hosting their annual Young Birders event from July 12th to the 15th in Ithaca, New York. The event includes field trips an eBird and sound recording workshop, a tour of the Cornell Lab and dinner with the lab staff and directors. The deadline to apply is March 15th. Find more information on the event by searching for Young Birders Event 2018 Cornell Lab. That's all for this week, Ray. Stay warm, and I'll talk
2: to you next time. Thanks, Charlotte. That's our own Charlotte Look, checking in from the prairies up there in Alberta, Canada. Well, here's our conservation salute of the week. It goes to what might sound like a kind of an unlikely recipient. Butter, 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 butter. That's right, it's McDonald's, Mickey D's, which has announced it will eliminate... One of the staples of takeout food packaging, foam plastic, by the end of this year. Expanded polystyrene, EPS, often incorrectly referred to as styrofoam, is a frequent source of marine debris and has a very limited recycling market, especially compared to paper and other plastics. Many U.S. cities, by the way, including Los Angeles, New York, and Washington, D.C., have already banned EPS packaging and we salute McDonald's for doing the same so way to go McDonald's I'm it. should probably mention the company's decision to to make that change from those environmentally unfriendly cups comes after an anti-polystyrene proposal filed by a group called As You Sow a corporate responsibility organization which earned 32% of McDonald's shareholder votes in May of 2017 Meanwhile, on a related topic... What's up with straws? Not to suggest that they aren't popular. After all, people have been using them since about 3000 B.C. Of course, back then they were made from reeds or other biodegradable stuff. But are plastic straws recyclable? Not so much, apparently. Largely because as plastic travels down conveyor belts at recycling facilities while being sorted the straws and bottle caps fall through the cracks and end up being sent to the landfill. And plastic straws float. That's part of the reason the ones that don't make it to the landfill are such a big part of the billions of tons of plastic trash that's floating around in our oceans these days, killing birds and fish and mammals and causing all kinds of other problems. And it's not just the idea of straws that's the problem, it's the colossal number of them. Here's a startling straw statistic concerning the number of plastic straws we use here in the U.S. How many would that be per day? Maybe a million? Maybe 10 million? Nope, not even close. According to the folks at Nonprofit EcoCycle, we use here in the U.S.A. every day 500 million plastic straws. That's about 15 billion a month, 180 billion per year. Well, when straws are made out of paper not that long ago, they work pretty well. After all, they only get used in virtually every case one time, and only for a few minutes. So they hardly need to be made out of material that will last for a couple of hundred years before finally decomposing. The straw recycling problem has gotten to a point that some cities are looking to either limit their use or eliminate them entirely. Folks in Seattle are now proposing a ban on straws, and the state of California is proposing an opt-in law where straws would only be provided if asked for by customers, kind of like they do with water. It used to be that A glass of water was always provided in any restaurant. Now it's pretty much, in many cases, there if it's requested. Meanwhile, we hear that paper straws are actually making a comeback and being offered at many restaurants around the country. And consider the words of celebrity chef Jose Andres, who says, it's beautiful to drink directly from a glass. It's the most elegant thing. Why, says Jose, would you want a piece of plastic? Kind of a good question. Well, we have some more new Talking Birds ambassadors to whom to say thank you. And we are most grateful to Patty from Roxbury, Vermont. Patty says she's originally from Cohasset here on the south shore of Massachusetts and that she's been a keen observer for more than 35 years on her hill farm up there in the Green Mountain State. She's been deeply involved with organic and sustainably grown coffee and the impact it has on migratory songbirds. And she says she's passionate about preserving our environment for the benefit of all living creatures. Well, Good for you on all of the above, Patty, and thanks so much for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador. And thanks to Brad Arnell from Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. He has some kind words about our show, and Brad says, I listen while I carve birds. I've been spreading the word about your show and thought I should make it official. By the way, we have some photos of Brad's excellent bird carvings available for viewing on our Facebook page right now. And thank you so much, Brad. Well, Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll consider joining Brad and Patty in our Talking Birds Ambassadors program. Hand out some of our info cards to your friends and associates to spread the word about our show and about birds In conservation. It's easy to do, easy to sign up for. Just click on the contact button at talkingbirds.com and choose the become an ambassador option. That's the become an ambassador option via the contact button at talkingbirds.com. No G in talking. Still to come on our show today, we'll catch up with our man Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment. He'll be bragging about all those California condors. That he recently saw out there in Arizona. Up next, a bird that has a pretty unusual way of warding off predators, like flying squirrels, is today's featured feathered friend. Presented by Birdwatching Magazine for more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Birdwatching Magazine. Nesting birds face threats from many predators, including snakes. But today's featured feathered friend, the Great Crested Flycatcher, goes out of its way to place, well, not whole snakes, but snake skins in its nest. Ornithologists at Arkansas State University did some research on this snake skin thing and found the skin to be a deterrent to would-be egg predators that might themselves become prey to snakes. Two species of animals that occur in most of the Great Crested Flycatcher's nesting range are rat snakes and flying squirrels. Flying squirrels will eat bird eggs and rat snakes will eat flying squirrels. The snakes would eat a bird egg too, but it's the squirrels that are thought to be the greater threat. In the research experiments, flying squirrels ate the eggs in 20 percent of the nests without snake skins, but ate no eggs at all in the nests to which snake skins were attached. When no snake skins are available, great-crested flycatchers will use onion skins, cellophane, or plastic wrappers. Research is underway to determine whether these substitute items are as effective as real snake skin in deterring predators. Great crested flycatchers no doubt hope so. This bird which summers over most of the eastern half of the US and winters mostly in Central America and Northern South America can be difficult to see. The male sings his courtship and territory defending songs from well within the canopy. Although when hunting, he'll find an exposed perch for a clear view of prey items and the flight path by which to reach them. And well worth seeing he is. She is, too, the sexes look alike. Check out our Facebook page to see the beautiful reddish-brown back and wings, lemon-yellow belly, bushy crest, and the long, rusty brown tail of today's featured feathered friend, Myarchus crinitus, the great crested flycatcher. Thanks again for being with us. It's our show number 662. As always, we extend the invitation for you to visit our website and to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just a reminder, again, we have a new name on our Facebook and Twitter pages uh, now listed as Talking Birds Radio Show. Kind of more clearly reflects what we kind of do around here. So Facebook and Twitter at Talking Birds Coming up next, it's our Mystery Bird contest in just one minute.
1: Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation.
2: My
0: name is Billy Cantwell, and I'm calling from Knoxville, Tennessee. I became a Talking Birds ambassador because I've always loved sharing my passion for birds with others. So this was just a natural progression for me. Don't miss an
1: episode because there's always something new to learn and it's always interesting. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talking Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, TalkinBirds.com Click on the contact button and then choose the become an ambassador option We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at TalkinBirds.com And thanks.
2: And thank you, Billy. Isn't that Tennessee accent just the best? Gotta, gotta love that On to our mystery bird contest It's sponsored by Audubon Park Wild Bird Food Look for Audubon Park next time you're buying food for your backyard birds. By the way, if you're not hearing our Sunday morning show live and think you're perhaps unable to enter our mystery bird contest, well, you can hear our show live every week, online, no matter where you are. Just have one of them fancy internet connections, that's all you need, and some device by which to connect it. Just go to Talkin Birds. to see how to do it. It is uh, very easy. You can also search for Talking Birds in iTunes or Google Play. Our Mystery Bird Contest, you're eligible if you haven't been a winner here on Talking Birds in the past six months. The number is 781-837-4900. 781-837-4900. Here's the uh, sound of our Mystery Bird. Our bird is a large, slender diver with a long, thin orange bill and white wing patches that are visible in flight. It's found over most of North America, summering in Canada and Alaska, and found year-round in many of our northern states. This bird tends to prefer freshwater habitats, but is also seen in ocean harbors and bays. Our male of the mystery bird has bright white sides and an iridescent green head, the female mostly gray with a reddish-brown head ...that often shows a shaggy crest... ...not usually seen in the mail... ...because of the serrated edges on their bills... ...which help them grip the fish they catch... ...our bird and its relatives... ...known as sawbills. Our prizes... ...and a little disclaimer here, by the way... ...we love to hear from our listeners in Canada... ...but some of our prizes can be sent to U.S. addresses only. Our prize, the Droll Yankees Observer Window Feeder. This is the one that lets you see the birds right up close... With an unobstructed view right at your window there. It's right there with a the suction cups that hold it on very securely. By the way, holds seed or fruit, suet or mealworms a couple of cups worth. Bonus prizes this morning. Audubon Park, Sunflower Hearts and Chips, five pounds wild bird food. And a download of the Larkwire app, the award-winning app for mastering bird sounds. Prizes on our Mystery Bird Contest. is the number. Meanwhile, Mike O'Connor is back here in the frigid Northeast after his trip to the Southwest. He'll be here with Let's Ask Mike live in just one minute. It's February, National Bird Feeding Month, and our friends at Audubon Park remind us that birds are counting on us for nutritious, high-energy food to help them cope with cold weather conditions. Look for Audubon Park Wild Bird Food and be confident that you're providing the proper nutrition for your backyard visitors. And for the best photos, news, alerts, and more, sign up for Audubon Park's free e-newsletter sent to your inbox once a month. Sign up at AudubonPark.com. That's AudubonPark.com. Now a word from our friends at Birdwatching Magazine. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Want some tips on backyard birding? Birdwatching Magazine has published a handy booklet that's yours to download for free. The 16-page guide includes practical field-tested answers to your most important questions about the birds in your backyard. From food to birdhouses, from those cute hummingbirds to those troublemaking birds. Go to birdwatchingdaily.com to get your backyard Q&A booklet down to beautiful cape cod where the transition from southwest us is not bad for mike o'connor because it's always in the 70s and sunny down there in the cape good morning mike
0: you're absolutely right about that it's beautiful yeah. here so, uh, yep 70 degrees in, well, in the house it's 70 degrees in.
2: <laughs> okay it's warmed up a little bit here though it's uh, we're, we're not down in those teens uh, today, no, no. at least. All right. Well, no, you... but I'm
0: I'm back from the Southwest, yeah. which was awesome. Oh my god, the mm-hmm. sun was out every day. It was like perfect weather, and I can see why people do that trip once in a while because it is really nice. It was really. Yeah. <sighs> But I went down there to see, you know, I had to do a little business, but I also, of course, wanted to do some birding, and we did the Southwest, and we saw the usual roadrunners and cactus friends and a lot of hummingbirds. But my goal was to see um California condor, and I think a lot of folks know that they were pretty much gone. As a matter of fact, they were gone for a while. Uh, uh Back in the 80s, there were 10 wild condors left in the entire world, mm. and they captured those, and they started a breeding program, and they've been releasing them over the d- decades since. And now there's... A couple of hundred flying free, and maybe a, a few dozen nests, birds nesting on their own. And I had heard that the best place to see them was the Grand Canyon, so I was heading towards the Grand Canyon. And then uh, uh, halfway through the trip, I realized that that's they're only really there in the summertime on the southern mm-hmm. rim of the Grand Canyon. You know where everybody goes. That's kind of their summer hangout. And this clearly wasn't summer, but there is a place north of the Grand Canyon called uh, Vermilion Cliffs National Monument. It's about an hour east of uh, Lake Powell in the town of Page. Mm-hmm. It's actually, I thought it was even more beautiful than the Grand Canyon, and there's zero people there. You can drive down the road this time of year, and there was, I didn't see a single car. So we were heading that way, and, you know, this is like, okay, maybe we'll see something. Maybe we won't. It's a long drive. And then all of a sudden my wife says, what's that? And I pulled over, and right above us, it wasn't, do what, 10 California condos just... Acting just like vultures you know wow. circling high in the wind, and they they were so, so big and so fast, like we pulled over and there they were, and then in a nanosecond they just glided up and they were they're basically gone they were that 's how quickly they went, but then we continued on to this area these, these cliffs, which wasn 't far away, and then you could see them sitting up in the cliffs, and then they would fly down, we could get some pictures, but it was really, really, really interesting to see these birds that were basically gone in the wild and then and this is like a way to find I mean, some of these rare birds. You have to camp out and do all these crazy things. There, you could just drive out to this location, and you got a pretty good chance of seeing them. Okay. And they're, they're doing better. They're coming back. I think. I think you've discussed on your show one of the bigger problems is lead poisoning. Okay. Um, you know, hunters shoot stuff, and they don't always get everything, and and then the condors eat the the, the carrion, and then they ingest the lead. And that's really the biggest problem with these.
2: Yeah, birds and, right now. and and even when there are bans on lead, uh, uh, birds fly, as they say. So birds can come from other areas or go to other areas where there isn't a ban on lead shot.
0: And, well, you're correct. These birds actually go as far as way as Wyoming. They just, you know, when they're not on their breeding territories, they just. They just, you know, fly around and wander aimlessly because there's no, they're not like us. They don't have to go home and recharge their cell phones or anything. So they just travel around and, like I said, and then they get into other places where they haven't instituted these bans. Mm-hmm. And they used to be out our way. They used to be in the east back mm-hmm. in the old days, back you know, back tens of thousands of years ago, even before you were born, right? And wow. um, they and, and they used to actually <laughs> feed on like mastodons and saber tooth tigers and all those yeah. big uh, prehistoric creatures. I remember
2: but, seeing them as a teenager. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's right, right. But those things have died out, yeah. probably of smoking. So they. <laughs> Now, this is confined to this area, but if you guys ever do a trip, uh, I would recommend this. The Vermillion Cliffs North of the Grand Canyon. It's a
2: wonderful place. Vermillion Cliffs. All right, well, those condors used to be here, but don't look for them on the Cape, Mike. Not anymore. No, 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 too expensive here now. Talk to you next week. Okay. Mike O'Connor there at the Bird Watchers General Store. Poaching is a major threat to our country's wildlife.
3: I'm Tom Barry, and I'm an actor reaching out with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust, which works with private landowners to protect wildlife preserve natural habitats, and create permanent sanctuaries. To learn more, call 800-729-SAVE or visit wildlifelandtrust.org. Thank you.
2: We're back on the mystery bird contest uh, trying to identify this mystery bird. Large, slender diver with a long, thin orange bill, white wing patches visible in flight. Some of the uh, clues there. 781-837-4900 is the uh, number to call. 781-837-4900. We have uh, Annette uh, in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Good morning, Annette.
1: Good morning. How are
2: you? Good. I'm, I'm, we're, I'm well, thank you. Uh, have you found our show recently or been listening for a while?
1: I've been listening for a while.
2: Well, thank you. We're glad to hear that. What do you think our mystery bird is, Annette?
1: Well, sadly, uh, I didn't dial this phone. It was put in my hands, and <laughs> I didn't quite catch everything. But, oh, okay. Um, I did hear saw Bill, long orange Bill, uh, white wing patches, ear nothing gray head. Uh, but did you say that the male has a smooth head and the female has a punk rock hair to you? Yeah,
2: kind of like that, yeah.
1: Okay, well, that makes me think common merganser.
2: Wow, that is some pretty good thinking for somebody who just had the phone handed to her. I'll tell you. <laughs> Well, stay on the line, uh, Annette. Thank you so much, and we'll, we'll, we'll arrange for at least one of those prizes. I don't know if you heard our disclaimer about Canadian shipping, but uh, we'll figure something out. And uh, stay on the line, uh, Annette, and thank you. Okay, thank you
0: very much,
2: Will. All right, Annette, up in uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, correctly identifying our mystery bird, uh, which is the uh, common merganser. Uh, oh, I was going to do a... A bonus round, but that's okay. We're going to see if we can arrange those prizes for Annette. The common merganser. It's always funny. I don't know. It just seems funny to me about ducks nesting in trees. It doesn't seem quite right, but it's actually not uncommon. The common merganser, usually nesting in tree cavities, either those made by large woodpeckers or from where a limb broke off. They will also use nest boxes and have been known to nest in rock crevices holes in the ground, hollow logs, old buildings, or even chimneys. That's about it for our show this morning. We have just about run out of time. We want to thank you so much for listening to our show. Um, Do check out our Facebook page at the new address there, Talking Birds Radio Show. And here's just a little preview. This is kind of way off, but we're going to be broadcasting again this year from the big L.L. Bean Maine Audubon Birding Festival. Uh, up in Freeport, Maine, and that will be on the Memorial Day weekend. We'll have more details about that coming along uh, very shortly. That's it for our show this morning. We want to say thank you to Mark Duffield and Debbie Bleacher and our engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. Closing with this thought here on Super Bowl Sunday, our home team here in New England has never lost a Super Bowl to a rival with the bird mascot, including the Falcons, the Seahawks, and yes, the Eagles, and even though that team in Philadelphia has a beautiful raptor as its mascot, it is our solemn duty to say, as Bostonians and New Englanders, Go Pats! See you next week. It's a bird
1: show. I like
0: that. I that. Ray Brown's Talking Birds,
1: made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store or Lean's Cape Cod, BirdwatchersGeneralStore.com. By L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors. LLbean.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park, let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com.